Hello world, this is Roger Corvale and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. So you thought graffiti was just a contemporary thing, right? <laughs> well, I want to take you back to Rome circa 200 to 250 AD, and there is a carving in stone. It's the image of a man hanging on a cross who happens to have the head of a donkey. And there is a second man in the carving that is kneeling before the dude hanging on the cross with the head of a donkey. And historians speculate that this was an example of the contempt shown toward the importance that Christians placed on Jesus's resurrection. Well, with that, hey, hopeful, <laughs> welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself scripturally and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including how we take this next step in the book of Corinthians. You're going to hear some um, kind of just interesting things that begin to develop over the next couple days. There's this first part of this letter where he addresses problems mentioned by Chloe's household, and you're going to hear about divisions over Christian leaders. And repeatedly throughout Corinthians, particularly at the end, you're going to hear the centrality of the cross and the crucifixion. So with that, let's just dive in because uh, it's Saturday and I'm going to get you out of here on time, if not early. Famous last words. 1 Corinthians 1, picking up in verse, well, 17 again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ will not be emptied of its effect. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God to save us who are being saved, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since, in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks ask for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, Consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one, may boast in his presence. 
It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom because if they had known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the spirit does not receive what comes from God's spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For, Old Testament quote here, for who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And that, my friends, both finishes up chapter one and gets us all the way through chapter two. All right, turning back to our Old Testament segment. Um, yesterday, we heard this edict by the king pronounced throughout the whole land based on what Haman had it, you know, based on the fact that Haman had it in for the Jews. And of course, Esther finds out what has happened and hears of Mordecai's request to plead with her husband on the Jews' behalf. And she realizes, of course, that this could result in death, but eventually agrees to go. Then Esther asks all the Jews to fast for three days with her. And now we pick up in chapter five. On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor with him. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked her. 
Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom, will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for them. The king said, Hurry and get Haman so that we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half of the kingdom, will be done. Esther answered, This is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and perform my request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet I will prepare for them. Tomorrow I will do what the king has asked. That day Haman left full of joy and in good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate, and Mordecai didn't rise or tremble in fear at his presence, Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Yet Haman controlled himself and went home. He sent for his friends and his wife, Zeresh, to join him, and then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons, and he told them all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over all the other officials and the royal staff. What's more, Haman added, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she prepared. I am invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. Still, none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. His wife Zeresh and all his friends told him, Have them build a gallows, 75 feet tall. Ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it, then go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. That night, sleep escaped the king. So he ordered the book recording daily events to be brought and read to the king. (laughs) I've never made this connection. Wouldn't that be kind of like reading meeting minutes? Of course that would put you back to sleep, right? Oh, bring me the meeting minutes from the the last couple meetings and start reading them to me. (sighs) I digress. They found written in the report of how Mordecai had informed on Bigthana and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance, when they planned to assassinate King Ahasuerus. The king inquired, What honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants replied, Nothing has been done for him. The king asked, Who's in the court? Now, Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. The king's attendants answered him, Haman is there, standing in the court. Have him enter, the king ordered. Haman entered, and the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, Who is it the king would want to honor more than me? And Haman told the king, For the man the king wants to honor... Have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn, and a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal crown on his head, and put the garment and the horse under the charge of one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor, parade him on the horse through the city square, and call out before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, Hurry! And do just as you proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. 
So Haman took the garment and the horse, and he clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, calling out before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. And then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off for home, mournful and with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai is Jewish and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. The king and Haman came to the feast with Esther the queen. And once again, on the second day, while drinking wine, the king asked Esther, Queen Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you seek, even to half the kingdom, will be done. Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor with you, your majesty, and if the king is pleased, spare my life. This is my request. And spare my people. This is my desire. For my people and I have been sold to destruction, death, and annihilation. If we had been merely sold as male and female slaves, I would have kept silent. Indeed, the trouble wouldn't be worth burdening the king. King Ahasuerus spoke up and asked the Queen Esther, Who is this and where is the one who would devise such a scheme? Esther answered, The adversary and enemy is this evil Haman. Haman stood terrified before the king and queen, and the king arose in anger and went from where he was where they were drinking wine, to the palace garden. Haman remained there to beg Queen Esther for his life because he realized the king was planning something terrible for him. Just as the king returned from the palace garden to the banquet hall, Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was reclining. The king exclaimed, Would he actually violate the queen while I am in the house? As soon as the statement left the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. Harbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, There is a gallows 75 feet tall at Haman's house that he made for Mordecai, who gave the report that saved the king. And the king said, Hang him on it. And they hanged Haman on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's anger subsided. Who needs reality TV, my friends? <laughs> you can just open up your Bible. Oh, that is beautiful. I love the fact that um, the Hebrew culture, ancient Hebrew culture in particular, just prized irony as a form of humor. And I don't know if that was intended to be humorous, but I find it so. That's too good. All right, we're going to wrap up here with some Proverbs. Picking up in Proverbs where we left off yesterday. Proverbs 19, starting at verse 15. Laziness induces deep sleep, and a lazy person will go hungry. The person who keeps commands preserves himself. One who disregards his ways will die. Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. You know what? I'm just going to stop right there. That only gets us up through verse 17. And that means we're going to get out of here early. I don't even have a reflection for you today, except to say this. 
I'm going to close by repeating that last proverb by way of a reminder. Remember the parable of the sheep and the goats, right? And people come before the king and some, you know, king goes, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. And then the, the goats basically were like, when did we see you hungry and not feed you? And, and Jesus' answer to them all is, whatever you did or didn't do for the least of these, you did not do for me. And of course, that doesn't end well for the goats. But catch that last proverb. And just maybe just take this away as an encouragement for your weekend. Kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. My friends, here we are, 900 BC, and Solomon collects these proverbs, and I think it just demonstrates that God's wisdom is eternal. And yes, Jesus fulfilled, right? Didn't abolish, but came to fulfill the law. But kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord, and he will give a reward to the lender. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen. Amen.